to One Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. Amen, amen. What an awesome time of worship. I love that song uh, and, and that line, King Jesus forever by my side. What an awesome encouragement that that is for us and should be for us that wherever we're at today, Jesus is with us. And because he is with us, we are overcomers. And so I want to pray today, wherever you're at, that you sense the presence of God as we are worshiping the Lord together, that faith is rising in your heart and that you are experiencing the presence of God. And so Lord, I pray right now, Father, that every person that's joining us today, every person that's tuning in, God, regardless of where they're at, Father, regardless of where, what they're going through, Lord, I pray that they would sense your presence, that they would sense your life, God, whether they're in a house church, whether they're at home, whether they're tuning in, God, as they are going through the activities of their day. Father, I pray that we would sense your presence, God. It's your presence, Lord, that brings heaven to earth, that fills us with joy and peace. And so we ask you today, come Holy Spirit, be among us. Father, I ask now that you would fill me with your spirit as we turn to your word, God. I pray that you would speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, church. Uh, so, so good to be with you all today. And I, I hope you're having a great day. Happy Valentine's Day as you are watching this uh, on Valentine's Day. I hope you're filled with love today. I hope you're feeling the love wherever you're at. Uh, today, the love of God, the love of the church and your community being together. And I want to welcome all of you who are our guests. Maybe you're joining us online today. Uh, I know in this season we're having people join us even outside of our area. And we are so glad that you're joining us today. Uh, and we always say this church is not just an event. It is a community. And so we want to encourage you plug in, uh, join us, show up as we are gathering together and we're going to be sharing with you actually some exciting news about an upcoming change. And so I want to encourage you this week, stay tuned to your email. You'll be getting more information, but we'd love for you to join in the family, uh, be a part of church in this season. And if you have your Bible today, why don't you grab it with me and turn to the book of Matthew, the book of Matthew, the first book of the New Testament, one of the gospels, Matthew chapter Six, and we're going to read a couple of verses, verses five and six in just a moment. But uh, we are picking up today on our vision series that we began last week. And I shared with you last week that our vision theme for this year is based out of Matthew chapter six, verse 16. The message version, uh, Jesus says this, keep open house, live generous with your lives. And You'll cause people to open up to this generous Father in heaven. And that really is uh, the focus of our vision this year. We want to keep open house. We want to let our light shine into the world. And I shared with you last week kind of a framework for that focus around four spaces that God is wanting to call us into. You know, uh, we've been limited in our public gatherings. Again, we can't wait to be back together but uh, we've been limited in that way. And, and I shared with you last week that I was wrestling with God. What are you calling us into? Where are you taking us? Uh, is it 
public gatherings? I believe so. But uh, is it house church? Because God, you're doing great things there. Is it church online? Letting our light shine around the world through that. And I felt like the Lord spoke to me. It's all of those things. It's not just one or the other. And I shared with you last week that Jesus really called his followers into four spaces, the public space. Uh, that was among the crowds, but then he would call them in to follow him. And Jesus had uh, a group, it, it, the, the Bible tells us that he had 70 disciples that he sent out. Uh, that was the, uh, the social space. Then he called uh, 12 to be his apostles. That's kind of that personal, closer space. And then he had the three in the intimate place. And so that's kind of a framework that we're going to be talking about in the weeks ahead. How do we experience everything God has for us, not just in public, but in all of those places? And today I want to start with the intimate space. It's Valentine's Day. And so I was actually planning to start with the public space, but I want to talk about the intimate space today. The intimate space. If you have your Bible, Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. Jesus says this, when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners uh, and on the corners of the streets that they might be seen by men. Now notice Jesus is not critiquing public prayer. He's critiquing the motivation to be seen by men. And he says, assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Jesus, in these couple of verses, really shows the uh, kind of the distinction between the public space and the intimate space. The public space and that private space the hypocrites love to pray on display, pray for the world to see. Uh, they, they love to be seen by men. And Jesus says, I, I don't want you to be motivated just to be seen by men. I, I want you to go into your room and, and I want you to be alone with your father. I want it not to just be in public, but in that intimate space. And, you know, sometimes we think about the hypocrites, and that word has certainly taken on a negative connotation. People often say, church is filled with hypocrites. Well, um, you know, the, here that word actually just means pretenders. It's like an actor. It's someone who puts on an act or a performance. And Jesus is saying, I don't want you to just turn your spiritual life into a public performance and he says the answer for that is to make sure that your spiritual life isn't just lived in public, but that it is uh, flowing from that intimate private place. And, uh, you know, we can get real, uh, you know, down on the hypocrites, the Pharisees, the religious people. But the reality is all of us have that tendency. Uh, there's something in human nature that just wants to do things to be seen. We are drawn into public, and God certainly wants us to influence in public. Uh, but, you know, that drive to get affirmation, that drive to be approved, that drive to be applauded by people, that our worth comes from that, 
really is at the heart of our sinful nature. I mean, you, you actually see it in Adam and Eve. As soon as they sin, they've, they've broken their intimate relationship with God, but they show up in front of God. God's looking for them, and they show up uh, with their first stage costume on. They have covered themselves. They're putting on a show, putting on a performance, and God sees right through it. The reality is we can fool people sometimes, we can't fool people all the times, and we fool God none of the time. God always sees the private reality. But we, as human nature, are drawn into putting on a performance in the public space to see, be seen by men. You know, in over the last maybe decade or so, there's uh, no place that that is more evident than in what has come to be known as influencer culture. Uh, influencer culture, of course, is... Uh, we all know what that is now. I think uh, everybody knows it's the, um, you know, the, the public influencers that have a platform in public that there certainly is nothing wrong with, but sometimes they have a platform not because of anything that they are or do. It's just because of their ability to put on that presentation. And uh, that has flowed into all of life. I'm not throwing stones at at influencers. I'm not critiquing, um, you know, technology. I am preaching today through a camera on a screen, so I'm not down on technology. But here's the downside. It is that through technology and through even social media, now all of our private moments have the ability to be put on display. And so the danger is that even our most intimate moments can become a performance. Uh, you know, we don't just do something now. We now do it for Instagram. We do it to be seen by people. Um, you know, that's true in many areas uh, of life. People used to go on vacation. Now they go uh, on vac They used to go on vacation to get away from people. Now they go on vacation to a remote place so they can take a photo to post on Instagram. And uh, there was a, a, a photo that came out uh, a couple of years ago that showed this beautiful remote location in New Zealand. Uh, and there was a person kind of out on this hill, you know, doing this cool yoga pose, which is the key to being an influencer, do a yoga pose on a hill. Um, sorry for the sarcasm, but they were doing that and it just looked so peaceful. It looked like, wow, what a picture of perfection. But then somebody showed a behind the scenes photo of a line of hundreds of people waiting for hours to get to that place to take the perfect photo. Um, we've seen it even in recent days after some of the riots that happened over the summer. There was a, an influencer who was criticized because uh, she was cleaning up or actually just took a photo of her cleaning up, uh, trying to put on the, uh, you know, a performance to look like she's doing something really good. The reality was she wasn't really caring about those people. And, and I'm not saying that to criticize those people. I'm saying it because we all can fall into that place of living for public approval, living for public affirmation. And God certainly wants us to have public influence, but the reality is that there is something missing in private that oftentimes drives us to, to want public affirmation. Uh, you know, I, in the influencer world, it's become very obvious and evident as time has gone on, the psychological effects of people that may have 
hundreds of thousands or millions of followers publicly, but inwardly, they have no true friends. They've got lots of likes, and it looks good through the filter, but inwardly, they don't have the life they really long for. And, you know, again, that's not a new problem. That's a human problem. That's not throwing stones at those people. It's the reality of life, that when there is a private deficiency in our own heart and soul, there is a a public drive or a public dependency. Private deficiency produces public dependency. But the truth is that regardless of how much public approval we have, the reality is that who we truly are is who we are when we are alone with God in that intimate place. And you know, regardless of how many likes we get, regardless of how many followers we have, regardless of not even on social media, but, you know, the the car we drive or the position we have in a business or uh, the letters we have after our names as a credential for our education, all of those things publicly will never give us the life we long for personally. It will never fulfill the desire of our heart because ultimately we long to be loved and accepted, not because of what we do, but who we are. And here's the good news. It is this, that regardless of what you have or don't have in public, that God loves you. That's the good news of the gospel, that God, who knows you the best, who sees your most vulnerable, unfiltered, ugly moments, loves you the most. And in fact, on the cross, God gave the greatest example, the greatest public display of affection that the world has ever seen. When Jesus hung on the cross, he was saying, I love you. You are valuable. You are accepted. Uh, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Your life has meaning, has purpose, has, has worth not because of what the world says, but because of God's love for you. And God wants us to recognize that it's in that private place of relationship with Him that our our public influence can flow out of. If we have public influence without private intimacy, we become dependent on that public world. We become a slave to that world. And so God wants us to live out of an intimacy that we've been loved by God. We've been accepted by God. And out of that place, we have security that we can live into the world. And so I want to speak on that intimate place today. Even as Jesus said, don't don't put on your performance to be seen by men. You may get other people's affirmation, but ultimately in your most vulnerable moments before God, you will still be empty. And so we need to develop a a life of private intimacy with God. We need to develop as it is a, you know, I use the example of the porch and the, the family room, the table and the bedroom. We need to develop that intimate private uh, place. As Jesus says, go to your room, close the door, be with your father in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly you know the world says if you just have the the affirmation publicly somehow that will fill 
the longing in private. If you just get enough followers, if you just get enough likes, if you just get enough money, if you just drive the right car, if you get the right house, if you fill in the blank with the outward external sign of success, that somehow that will go from external to internal. And the reality is that will never happen. But when we find our peace with God through Jesus Christ, we live out of a place of internal satisfaction that flows into the world around us. I want to tell you today, One Church Park District, that's what the world longs for, is people who have been intimate with God. Their confidence doesn't come from their appearance. Their confidence doesn't come from the money in the bank. The confidence comes from the private place with God. And I want to look today at a story of a a person that uh, became hugely influential out of private intimacy. And it's the story of Daniel in the Old Testament. And um, we're not going to go through the whole story right now. You can look at that at some other time. But if you know the story of Daniel, you know that Daniel was carried away captive from Jerusalem. He He was a Jew and carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. And he was in exile. But even in exile, Daniel became hugely influential in the kingdom of Babylon. The Bible says that he had personal influence. He was good looking. Uh, he, he was worthy to serve in the king's palace. The Bible says that he, uh, in Daniel chapter 1 verse 7, that God gave him knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. So he wasn't just personally influential. He was culturally influential. He would have been the guy that, that would give the TED talk because of his wisdom and his skill in literature. He had a huge influence not just personally, not just culturally, but he was also politically influential. Even though he wasn't from Babylon, God raised him up to become an influencer in Babylon. The Bible says that the king of Babylon gave him a purple robe. That's the color of royalty. He put a gold chain around his neck, a sign of power, and he made him the third in charge of the whole kingdom. Uh, that is a hugely influential position. And I I want you to understand, God wants us to have influence. God wants to put you in a place of influence. Perhaps God will call some of you into political influence. Perhaps God will call some of you into cultural influence as a teacher, as an author, as a filmmaker, as a designer, as an artist. God wants to give us personal influence and relationships. God wants us to be influential. But Daniel understood that the public influence always flowed out of private intimacy. And Daniel's private intimacy manifested with public influence. And so as Daniel became influential in Babylon, he came under attack. You know, the enemy doesn't like it when God's people have influence in the culture. As important as it is for us to be in the intimate space, uh, the enemy would like to keep us in the intimate space. He'd like to keep us from having an influence in the world that we live in. But when you are in the intimate space, you will become influential in the public space. What happens in private will manifest in public, Jesus says. And, And so as Daniel became influential in the kingdom, he became a kingdom influencer he came under attack. And there was enemies that rose up and they, they, 
They looked for an opportunity to attack him and they couldn't find anything. There was no moral failure. There was no uh, dishonesty. There was nothing they could find to publicly criticize him. The only thing that they could do is convince the king to make a law against prayer to any other god. They could only pray to the king of Babylon. In other words, they, they attacked his intimacy. And that really is a picture of what the enemy would want to do in our lives. He will attack our intimacy to stop our influence. Because just as God says, and Jesus said, what happens in private will manifest in public. The enemy knows if he can stop our private intimacy, he will hinder our public influence. We chase after the public influence. We chase after the, the platform, the microphone. We chase after the credentials. We chase after the likes. We chase after the wealth, thinking that if we get those things, we will have influence. But the reality is that in the kingdom of God and really in the world, uh, influence always comes not from the outside in, but from the inside out. And so they criticized Daniel. They said, uh, King, make a, make a declaration that there can be no private place, no private prayer. Uh, they attacked his intimacy. But I want you to see Daniel's response in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. The Bible says that when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, listen to this, he went home and in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since his early days. And if you know the story, you're probably familiar that as a result, Daniel is thrown into the lion's den. But ultimately, God delivers him. God delivers him. And the the book of Daniel finishes with this beautiful statement that those who know their God shall be strong and do exploits. In other words, they will have influence, but it all comes out of that place of intimacy. And I, I want us to look at this picture of intimacy that Daniel became publicly influential, but it flowed out of private intimacy. And when Daniel was attacked in public, he didn't go to publicly defend himself. He went to the private place, the intimate place. And I believe that shows us that we have to fight for intimacy. We have to fight for intimacy. Don't fight for influence. Fight for intimacy. And intimacy will produce influence. Daniel fought for intimacy. I want to tell you today, you need to fight for intimacy. On this Valentine's Day, you need to fight for intimacy in your marriage. We need to fight for intimacy as a church, but most importantly, we need to fight for intimacy with God. We've got to fight to maintain that private intimacy that produces public influence. So I want to share with you just a few things that I believe we can learn from Daniel, three keys to maintaining private intimacy, to developing the intimate place. The first thing I want you to see, the first thing we need for intimacy is that we need a room. We need a room. Uh, have you ever heard somebody say, get a room? Somebody that is maybe a little too intimate in public, you say, get a room. Well, that's what Daniel did. Look at what the Bible says, that Daniel went home 
and in his upper room. In other words, he, he didn't go to the public place. He went to the private place. He went to his room. And I love how the scripture says that he was at his home in his upper room with his windows open towards Jerusalem. If you know the story of God's people, you know that Jerusalem was the epicenter of God's presence. It was the ideal place. Everybody wanted to go to Jerusalem, but now God's people have been taken away captive. They can't go to Jerusalem. They, they, they wanted to go to Jerusalem. That was their dream, to get back to Jerusalem. And, you know, Daniel could have had the mentality of, if I could just go to Jerusalem, if I could just get to that place, then God would really show up. But he couldn't go to Jerusalem. And, you know, intimacy doesn't come when we live with a longing for a dream location. Intimacy comes when we embrace our daily location. That is true in marriage. Uh, it's true in friendship, and it's true in our relationship with the Lord. Uh, he couldn't go to Jerusalem. That was the dream location, but he prayed. He sought God. He made room. He went to his room, his daily location to meet with God. Let me ask you the question today. Do you have a room to meet with God? Do you have a place, a daily meeting place with God? Uh, I don't necessarily mean you have to have a room in your house, uh, although if we have a TV room, we have a game room, uh, you know, we have a, a family room or a piano room, maybe having a prayer room isn't a bad idea, but I'm not talking about just physical space. I'm actually talking about the intentionality of making space in our lives. That's what we've been talking about in, in the month of January in temple, making space for God to move. But that's not just in the dream location. That's, it's not enough to just go there occasionally. We need to bring the presence of God into our daily lives. If you want intimacy, you have to have a room, have a place of intimacy. Uh, you know, we can live that way in our marriages, that if we could just have the dream location, if we could just get to that place, then really, you know, marriage would be good. Rather than embracing intimacy in the reality of our daily lives. Um, for my 10-year anniversary, Jen and I's 10-year anniversary, we went to Paris. It was my first time in Paris. She'd been there before. And I got to tell you, it was incredible. If you've never been to Paris, at least at that time, it was way more dreamy than I expected. Um, and we had an incredible time. I remember sitting uh, on the banks of Canal St. Martin and having a picnic and, you know, it was just the ro most romantic environment that I've ever been. But that's been six years ago now. And as wonderful as that was, our intimacy cannot be sustained by, you know, occasional trips to Paris. We have to bring intimacy into daily life. We have to make room in our daily lives. You know, in, in marriage, uh, now Jen and I, it's been six years since we went to Paris, uh, we can't just reminisce and long for if I could just go to Paris. We've got to make room in daily life. That means this, we're not sitting by Canal St. Martin. Uh, we're sitting by Lake Baldwin. <laughs> we're sitting in our neighborhood. We're finding a place in daily life. In fact, there's a bench that Jen and I have found that is nothing beautiful, nothing romantic. I mean, the view, to be honest, is not even that incredible but it's become a bench along a place that we like to walk that 
uh, we have set at. And over the years, we've had lots of conversations on that bench, some significant conversations. And we have invested into relationship on that bench so much so that now that bench kind of feels like a special place. Why? We've built equity in our relationship. We've invested into that place. And I want to tell you, going to Paris is awesome. Uh, going spiritually on a conference, going uh, you know, on a retreat, that can be awesome. That can spark your spiritual life, but it can't sustain it. Paris can spark your marriage. Uh, a trip away, a weekend away can spark your marriage, but it can't sustain intimacy. You need daily intimacy. You need a room, a place you go. Historically, that has at times been called a cell. Uh, the, the idea is not like a prison cell, but just a place where you are shut up with God and shut away from the world. And I know that may sound extreme, a cell, but I believe we need to be extreme. When the world is perpetually calling us to perform publicly, we need to be driven back into the place of private intimacy with God. Your marriage, your relationship uh, cannot be sustained only living in public. There has to be private intimacy. There has to be time alone with your spouse if you're married, uh, and there has to be time alone with God. Ronald Rollheiser says this, your cell will teach you everything you need to know. In other words, get alone with God and everything else will come out of that. Get alone with God the issues of family will come out of it. Get alone with God. The issue of finances will come out of it. Get alone with God. The issues of career, the issues of future decisions, everything comes out of intimacy with God. Intimacy with God is not an issue. It is the issue from which everything else flows. And so number one, if you want intimacy with God, you've got to have a room. You've got to make space. I know lots of us with little kids, that may be a challenge. I want to encourage you just to think about even your daily routine as a place where God can move. Even as I was preparing this message, I had a crying two-year-old on my lap. That's real life, but God enters into real life. And so we need to make space for God in daily life. The first thing we need is we need a room. The second thing I want you to see from Daniel is we need a routine. A routine. Look at what the Bible says about Daniel. He went to his room, he went to his house, and he knelt down on his knees three times that day, as was his custom since his early days. What did Daniel do when he was attacked in public? He went to the private place. And what did he do? He did what he always did. He prayed just like he had always done. You know, in the military, uh, they teach drills and routines. In fact, people can spend a whole military career never actually fighting, but just training, getting those drills drilled into them. Why? Because how you prepare is how you will behave when you're under attack. And we have to build these routines into our spiritual life. You know, within our stream of Christianity and the Pentecostal and Charismatic stream, which I love. There can be such a dependence on the emotional experience that there can be a neglect of just the daily routine of life. Uh, I, I love the mountaintop moments. I love the Pentecost upper room. 
but God doesn't want to just move in the upper room. He wants to move in your room. He wants to move in your life. He wants to move not just on the day of Pentecost. He wants to move today. And it's through our routine that we make space in our life for intimacy with God. The Bible says of Daniel that he prayed three times, as was his custom. I know many of us, when we think about customs, we think about a routine. We kind of feel, even relationally, that that's just kind of dull, that's kind of drab. There's no excitement. We want excitement, man. We want exciting moments. But intimacy is not built on exciting moments. It's built in everyday moments. I love exciting moments. I told you in marriage, Jen and I have had some wonderfully exciting moments. And, and again and again, many times we have exciting moments. But most of life is not exciting moments. It's everyday moments. The same is true spiritually. I've had some exciting moments with God. I have moments that I literally mark my life before and after that moment. And those are incredible, but they cannot sustain intimacy. Dietrich Bonhoeffer one time was marrying a young couple performing their wedding ceremony. And he says, he said, today you feel very much in love. You look beautiful. You feel so romantic. You're very much in love. And you think your love will sustain your marriage. It won't. Your marriage will sustain your love. Let me say that again. We think our love, our feeling will sustain our marriage. It won't. Our marriage, our commitment will sustain our love. You know, if you're married and you feel like you've lost love today, let me just say this. Don't jump ship. Don't jump ship. Stay in your commitment. Stay in that place. Why? Because that season will change. And, and we need to remain in that place of intimacy in everyday moments. We need a routine. Practically speaking, we like to call it the Jesus life plan. We're just trying to give a routine so that we are not living just for the exciting moments, but the everyday moments. I love excitement. I, I love relational excitement. I love spiritual excitement, but you cannot sustain your life on spiritual excitement. Some people become like a, a spiritual cocaine addict. They are just living off of a buzz perpetually, and you cannot live that way for long. You can't live that way for long. Even Jesus didn't live that way. Most of his life was not on the Mount of Transfiguration. Most of his life, in fact, 30 years of his life was just going to work, obeying God, being faithful, being committed, being obedient. That is where intimacy comes, not just in the exciting moments. It's in the everyday moments. It's in the everyday moments. We need to make moments every day with God in our routine. Daniel went home and he got on his knees, as was his custom. Let me ask you this question. What's your custom? Do you have a custom? Many of us have customs, routines, a workout routine, a work routine, a financial routine, uh, a culinary dinner meal routine. Do you have a routine with God? Do you have time with God? And again, I know many of us are parents, and that may be time with God while there's lots of other things happening. But it's not about the physicality, it's about the intentionality. Now, I want to encourage you, 
make room for God in your schedule. We're at this time right now where we are limited from the public gathering. But if you are struggling without a public gathering, it may reveal that you have a private deficiency, that, that you have not cultivated that intimate place with God, of getting alone with God, of spending time with the Lord. Again, Ronald Rollheiser says this, Never travel with anyone who expects you to be interesting, lively, and emotionally invested all the time. Real life doesn't work that way. And neither does life with God. What is he saying? Everyday life isn't exciting. It's just everyday life. And I want to encourage you, as much as I love the excitement, sometimes church can be built around, we've got to make everything the most epic Sunday ever. And I love that. I love that expectation. But I just want to tell you, church isn't that way. Uh, every Sunday isn't the most epic Sunday ever. Sometimes it's just an average Sunday. So, sometimes it's just, it's a below average Sunday. But intimacy is not built just through excitement. It's built through commitment to a routine. Uh, I want to encourage you, stay in the routine. Stay even in house church. Or if you're not in house church, you're going to have to work extra hard to stay connected online or in other ways. Do not disconnect from intimacy with God in this moment. And so Daniel had a room. Daniel had a routine. The third thing I want you to see that Daniel had from the intimate place is that Daniel had a revelation. Daniel had a revelation. The scripture says this in Daniel chapter 1 verse 19, the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. The context of that is the answers to the problems that were happening in public, the challenges in the kingdom of Babylon came to Daniel in a night vision. And here's what I want you to see is that when we have a room, a place where we spend time with God, when we have a routine, a rhythm of life with God, revelation comes out of that. Why? Because revelation always happens in relationship. Revelation happens in relationship. It's, it's true in marriage. It's true with God. God doesn't reveal himself to people who are not in relationship with him. And when we are intimate with God, when we spend time with God, He reveals Himself and He will reveal things to us that will make us influential in public. Public influence flows out of private intimacy. When we are alone with God, when we spend time with God, God will begin to speak to us. God will speak to us about things that He wants us to bring into public. The Bible says this in Matthew chapter 10, verse 27, Whatever I tell you in the dark, Whatever I speak to you in the dark, I want you to speak in the light. And whatever you hear in the ear, preach on the housetop. In other words, Jesus is saying that when you come to me and you're intimate with me, I'm going to speak things to you. I'm going to reveal things to you. I'm going to reveal myself to you. I'm going to reveal answers to you. I'm going to reveal solutions to you. I'm going to reveal guidance to you and what I whisper in your ear in the intimate place uh, will be the key of influence in the public space. 
The early apostles changed the world because they had learned to be alone with God. They had a revelation of who Jesus is. You see, kingdom influencers recognize that public influence flows out of private intimacy. The question I want to ask you today is, are you intimate with God? Are you intimate with God? You know, some of us become dependent even on public gatherings of church. And I love public gatherings. I believe they are essential, and we're going to be gathering more regularly very soon. But some of us have lived our whole lives like, like a middle school student perpetually dependent on affirmation through likes, through social media, because we're not secure in our own selves. We're not secure in our relationship with God. And I want to tell you, God is drawing you in. God is drawing us as a church to a deeper place so that he can lead us out to a place of greater influence. I want us to take a moment right now, even as we conclude the service, as we conclude this message, I want to invite you just to focus on Jesus, to focus your heart on him. Uh, And we're going to take just a moment. The team is going to lead us in a song that is a a song of intimacy. I want to pour my love on you, the scripture, this song says, and as we sing this, as we listen to this, I want you to just focus again on the love of God, the goodness of God, even in your worst moments. He loves you. He's for you. And so, Father, we pray that you would give us a fresh revelation of your love in the intimate place, God, so that we could become effective in the public space. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen. What a great reminder of God's goodness. God has given His all for us, and now we can give our all to Him because He has given everything for us. And I want to encourage you uh, today just to be reminded of the goodness of God, the love of God. The Bible says that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And it's out of that personal, private, intimate revelation that we can become effective public influencers, kingdom influencers for the kingdom of God. And so I want to pray, even as we close today, that you would be refreshed in the intimate place, that even not just on a Sunday, but on a Monday, a Tuesday, every day, that you would experience the presence of God. So Father, we thank you, Lord, today that Regardless of where we're, we're at, God, you are with us. And Father, thank you that even in this season, Lord, as we feel perhaps as Daniel feels, that we are exiles. We're out of the place that we have loved and God, that you do want to call us into. But Lord, thank you that we are learning how to live out of the intimate place with you. God, I pray you would call us in, call us into nearness with you. Call us in, Father, that we would hear your heartbeat, that we would hear your voice, Father, that we would uh, not just chase a microphone or a platform, but God, we would have a message because we've been in your presence. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. God, let us be people that know how to be intimate with you, I pray, and that out of that intimacy flows influence into the world, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, again, I want to encourage you, stay connected with everything that's happening. Stay tuned to your email this week. We're going to be sharing some exciting announcements with you. We can't wait to see you soon.